Laura, are you sitting down? I am. I have a cocktail with no bourbon in it. What? (laughs) Is the world coming to an end? (laughs) Well, I just happened to have some delicious ginger fruit juice that I thought would be really good with some cucumber vodka. And Hmm. I was right. I was right. Interesting. All right. Okay, Nikki, let's reel it in. What are we actually talking about today? Okay, okay. So last week you interviewed me about calendars, and I thought that this week we'd turn it around and I'll interview you. Cool. So um, we both sell greeting cards, but I've only designed a handful and I've had them printed. But I know that you have a lot more experience than I do with both making and selling them. So let me ask you the questions this week, because I know that there's a lot of questions that our listeners and I want to ask. Awesome. Ask away. Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. Okay, Laura, tell me your startest story around greeting cards. When did you first start making them? Well, Nikki, I've been making handmade greeting cards for over 15 years. Um, I believe there's something really special about receiving something handmade in the mail, especially in this digital age that we're in. Right. And I was first introduced to greeting card design when I started rubber stamping and paper crafting. And -hmm. essentially, that's using someone else's image like a stamp company and then inking the image with colorful inks, stamping it on paper and adding different collaged elements to create a finished card. And you can also stamp an outlined image in black and white ink or print out a digital image on your home printer and color it in with advanced shading and texture techniques using things like colored pencils, inks, watercolor, or my personal favorite, Copic markers. Oh, yeah. And if you have any interest in playing with those, you should definitely take Laura's awesome Skillshare class on Copic Marker Essentials. Thanks for that shameless plug, Mickey. (laughs) (laughs) We aim to please. (laughs) Now, I first just made cards for friends and family. I was investing a lot in supplies, though, and decided I should try to make a little money at it to support my my spending habits. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't really ready to create a big production line yet. So I actually started designing unique cards for companies and publications in the craft industry. So I began submitting my work and had over 75 greeting card designs published, primarily in magazines like like Rubber Stamper, um, Stampington's Take 10, Paper Crafts, and a few others like that. That's awesome. And then I became a card designer for Hero Arts Rubber Stamps, um, basically making videos on how to create greeting cards from scratch using their supplies. And I would write instructional posts for their website on how to make different greeting card designs that I had created. And I did that for a few years and then decided to begin teaching others at in-person workshops how to create beautiful cards themselves, which I've been doing now for, man, for about 11 years. Right. So I transitioned those workshops to Zoom last year um, 
with the pandemic. And we basically create one to two greeting card designs each workshop. But instead of using other people's images, which frequently have limited copyright use, I now illustrate my own digital stamp designs to use under my Laura Lee Griffin Designs brand. So I guess you could say that I have an expertise in both creating handmade cards and teaching others how to do the same. That's awesome. That's a lot of experience. So mm-hmm. um, so when did you start actually selling your cards and not just giving them to friends and family? Well, I've sold my handmade cards for years in local holiday markets and pop-up shops, trunk shows, and things like that. Um, I've also had greeting cards made through online printers that I then packaged to sell at those events. And I haven't experimented much with online or print-on-demand selling, mm-hmm. but I do plan to sell from my own website in the near future. And I know some people have had a lot of luck with Etsy, but personally, I find that the pricing there tends to be a bit low, especially for handmade cards. Yeah, I find that too. And since you happen to have a beautiful website, why not just use your website, right? Yeah. So let's get into some details about cards. Tell me, how do you even start? Um, What's different about designing a card versus just making a small piece of art? What makes a really good card design? Well, honestly, it's similar to any art that you make. Think things like the rule of thirds, um, complementary colors, adding dimension. Uh, If you were to walk into Target, for example, and look at all the professional card lines like papyrus that you see and you see like what makes them stand out, Mm -hmm. Um, having sentiments on the inside and the outside of the card, um, having embellishments um, and, you know, just take yourself on an art estate and go to. I don't know, a Hallmark store or Target or one of these places that sells a lot of greeting cards, look around and see what styles that you sort of gravitate towards and what you think makes those cards special and stand out to others. And then take those elements and infuse those into your own designs. Those are great ideas. So um, so how do you know what's going to sell? What are people going to want? Um, do you think about different occasions or just kind of generic greeting cards? Mm-hmm. And then um, are there different kinds of cards that people buy at certain times of the year? Yeah, I mean, certainly you're going to have holiday cards that sell, you know, during the holiday season, right? As people are preparing mm-hmm. to send greeting cards to their friends and family. Yeah, right. But remember that that even during the holidays, people are looking for more than just holiday cards. So really. During holiday season, I've sold birthday cards, get well cards, just because and hello cards, humorous cards, masculine cards, sympathy cards, um, pet cards, (laughs) anniversary, (laughs) wedding cards, thinking of you, cards that don't even have a sentiment on them um, so they can be used for almost any occasion. Okay. A beautiful floral can really be sent for just about anything, right? And that's my area of expertise. <laughs> so slap a flower on it. <laughs> slap a flower on it and you can sell that for any occasion. So, you know, keep keep a notebook of all your crazy card ideas and think outside of the box too, because two of my favorite card designers are Lee Stanley of Curly Girl Designs. Uh-huh. And uh, Emily McDowell of M and Friends. And we'll link to both of them in the show notes. I love Emily McDowell's cards. Oh, they're awesome. She's so clever. Yeah, she's it's clever. There's sarcasm. They're very different than the normal mm-hmm. sentiment you'd see on a card. And they're just yeah. awesome. So um, in fact, there's also a book that I think she co-wrote called um, There's No Good Card for This. She actually has a whole series of cards about things like cancer. Yeah. Where like 
you don't know what to say when somebody's sick. So she just says it right out in a funny, sarcastic way. And then you just laugh about it. They're really brilliant. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Um, and so I absolutely love her work and she's won awards for it. It's she's just a great person to look at for awesome sentiments. Yeah, I actually bought a whole series of her cancer cards for a cousin that had cancer. Awesome. She appreciated the hell out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they didn't say things like this is part of your journey, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the other so the other designer I love I mentioned was Lee Stanley and Lee Stanley has cards that she has. uh, They have hand stamped sentiments and then they have these paper pieced illustrations that she's put together Mm -hmm. that are just amazing. So she has one that says, I'm fairly certain that given a cape and a nice tiara, I could save the world. (laughs) (laughs) She's got some really cute ones like that. And so her lines are amazing. And so um, we'll definitely link to her as well. But those are two people that um, they actually license and wholesale their work as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it gives you some cool ideas of of ways you can approach cards differently. Okay. Now, when it comes to handmade cards, not ones that are sort of pre-printed, I really love the designs made by Jennifer McGuire, Inc., and Christina Werner. I'm going to have to look them up. Yeah, both of them come from the crafting world. Um, They've worked uh, as actual designers for companies, a variety of different companies. So a lot of the work that they do is using pre-made products, but it shows you how you can do that beautifully and even perhaps take your own designs and utilize them in perhaps a a similar way um, in the actual design elements of a card. That's kind of the same background that you came from. It is. And in fact, I used to be on a design team with Jennifer McGuire years ago at Hero nice. Arts. Nice. So I have a lot of respect for both of them. They have amazing YouTube channels where they have, you know, all different types of projects that, that show you how to create dimension on cards and and approach things in an interesting way. So that's a that's a great resource, um, free resource to go out there and look at. Cool. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. All right. So. Talk to me about the particular details. Are there standard sizes of cards and envelopes? Do you Mm -hmm. make your own or do you buy blank ones and then work from that? What do you do? Okay. Well, first off, you always want to use quality products and Mm -hmm. a really thick card base. Nothing says cheap, like a flimsy card that barely stands up on its own. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you don't even if you printed it from your home printer, you don't want it to feel like you printed it from your home printer. Correct. Correct. And I think a lot of beginners make that mistake. They just go right. out and buy some sort of cheap one off cardstock they can find at their at their local craft store. And it just uh-huh. does not work well. OK, so you can buy cards pre-made at places like Michael's or even higher end like paper source. Mm -hmm. They they do a lot of custom invitations and you could pick out, you know, card bases from that, but it does cost more. So I tend to make my own. Uh, I prefer 110 pound card stock like um, there's one called Nina Classic Crest Solar White, which is a really great thick card stock. It comes in different weights, but I really like that 110 pound one. Is this for printing or for hand making, hand painting? This one is, is primarily for... I would say it's for handmaking um, as okay. a card base. You can also use like a stiff watercolor paper that could look really pretty as well as a card okay. base. I've done that before. Okay. 
Um, or you can get colored cardstock that's thick at your local craft store. I know we have Joann's here in Dallas, but in your area of the country, it might be different. Um, but Joann's sells packs of like really thick cardstock that's colored. So that mm-hmm. would be another way to go if you wanted color on the base of your card. Okay. You just want it to be pretty decent weighting. And then I use a Fisker's paper cutter just to cut those cards down to size and what you call a scoreboard that enables you to basically put a crease down the center and then you can fold the card perfectly. Folding with your fingers most of the time and trying to get an an even straight line does not work. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's cool. I've never seen the scoreboard. Yeah. Unless that's a superpower of yours. It's not my superpower. (laughs) So that would be a very specific superpower. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very niche superpower. Saving the world one <laughs> folded greeting card at a time. <laughs> so in the U.S., standard handmade greeting card sizes are usually mm-hmm. A2, which is four and a quarter inches by five and a half inches. So it's basically an eight and a half by 11 inch sheet of paper cut in half and then folded. So oh, one okay. one sheet of eight and a half by 11 gives you two card bases. Okay. That's handy. And if you want a bigger card, you could cut down to a five by seven inch, but mm-hmm. you only get one of those from a sheet of paper instead of two. Right. right. So, um, some people also like square cards, like a five inch square card. I love square cards. You know, I love square cards too. Um, the only thing you need to be careful about when it comes to square cards is that it actually costs more to ship them. And I think people don't always realize that. So not just shipping the cards when you sell them, but like the postage for sending an individual card. Correct. So for your customer to take Mm -hmm. that card you made and send it to their friend or family member is going to cost them. I forget what it is right now, but there's a separate stamp you can buy. That's basically for the fact that it doesn't fit in the sorting machine. Ooh, I wonder, I wonder if it would be a good marketing idea to pre-stamp your square cards. Yeah. And then just kind of include that in the price, but sell it as a pre-stamp. So now that they make these forever stamps, you can basically do that, right? Because if you sell something even a year from now, it could still be usable at that rate. So that's, yeah, that. that's a good I idea. I love that idea. Never that's thought a good about idea. that before. I have one every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> so I buy my envelopes from a local Dallas paper store, but you can find plenty of them online. Uh, you know, where you can purchase them in bulk for like two to four cents each. So envelopes do not need to be expensive. Okay. And if you're going to get your cards printed, especially if it's not you and you're printing it online, you'll have many different options for your online or local printer. um, And they'll provide corresponding envelopes. Usually you'll just want to pick a size of the card and a format that works well for the art and illustration that you're uploading. um, If you have different, you know, sizes to choose from. Right. Okay. So What considerations do you need to think of when you're shipping your greeting cards to customers? Well, it's it's helpful to use stronger photo mailers so the cards won't bend. Um, And I guess that depends on the volume that you're sending, because if somebody orders several sets, it might be a small box you use. But Mm -hmm. um, I know that you can get these online at Amazon. Um, There are some other suppliers that also sell shipping supplies, but Amazon's easy and convenient and you can get them fairly reasonably priced. Um, and I really like the craft colored ones, you know, they, I feel like they're a little bit more environmentally friendly because they're not bleached. Um, and they have that handmade feel. Yeah. They have that sort of handmade feel and you Mm -hmm. can decorate them and do different cool things to them. And we'll link to the ones that I've used in the show notes. Okay. 
Um, you always want to write do not bend on the outside of the envelope, usually do on both really sides. Do they really pay attention to that? Or is that just an invitation for people to bend them? <laughs> I think it depends on what kind of day they're having. <laughs> but I will tell you, um, that always reminds me of the beginning of Ace Ventura when he's kicking the UPS box like down the hallway. And maybe I'm old, so people don't like remember that, but... It always cracks me up. Um, Yeah, I think that the do not bend does help because when I haven't done it, I've actually had some arrive that have been twisted and folded in half. Even though it's like a hard to bend envelope, they crunch it up and they stick it in a mailbox. So um, having that on there since I've started doing that, I haven't had that happen. Um, But it's just something to be aware of. Uh, if it's a smaller envelope, then it's not that big of a deal. But if you're shipping anything bigger, like if it's a long enveloped card on the inside of it um, or multiple cards and you're shipping okay. something bigger, you just want to be aware of that. All right. Are there any other considerations for shipping handmade cards? Yeah. So um, to protect dimensional cards, you can add a layer of either thin bubble wrap or tissue um, mm-hmm. so that those elements won't come through the card um, and won't be damaged. Okay. Let's say you have a series of handmade cards with alcohol inks on Yupo paper, for example. Okay. That can get a little bit sticky. And in the heat, if it's like in the summer Texas weather and you're mailing that to someone, it's probably going <laughs> to stick to the inside of that right. stiff envelope. So putting just a layer of vellum or wax paper or something like that on the front of that card will keep it from being a hot mess once it gets there. Okay. And so while we're on the topic of handmade cards, what about the production of them? How do you handle Mm -hmm. making a whole bunch of cards at one time? Yeah. So when you're making handmade cards, it's helpful to work in batches and really sort of create an assembly line for yourself. All right. And I like creating cards with dimension. So I use a lot of die cut, uh, die cut pieces. So die cut just means it's a shape that's cut out of paper. Mm -hmm. So die cut machines can really help you with that. And you can get die cut machines that are electronic and you can basically create any shape you want and it will cut it out for you. Examples of that would be something like a Cricut machine or a Silhouette machine. Okay. Or you can get like an old style hand crank machine, which is what I personally use the most. (laughs) And you can buy these little dies, these little wafer thin dies um, that are made of like steel and they'll cut through the paper um, with a lot of basic shapes like label shapes, circles, rectangles. So you can create beautifully layered cards very easily um, without having to cut anything out with scissors. I don't know about you, Nikki, but me and like cutting a straight line with scissors, they don't go together. No, 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 no. But that gives me an idea of something. So I I have a Glowforge, which is a, a laser engraver and cutter and I mean, it can do the same kind of thing that a die cutting machine can do, only easier oh, yeah. because you don't have to make it out of steel. I could just design anything in Illustrator and make it on the Glowforge. Yeah, I'm totally jealous of you right now. Well, you really should be. <laughs> but I'll put a link in our show notes to get a discount on your very own Glowforge. Awesome. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. My most successful handmade greeting card sellers have actually been some super simple cards with label shapes that were cut from gorgeous pattern paper and a really simple sentiment added on top. Okay. I'll have an example of that in the show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. But people specifically have searched out my table or booth several years in a row just to find these elegant cards. And to be honest, they only took me like two minutes to create. (laughs) 
<laughs> instead of like my Copic cards, which those can take like 45 minutes sometimes to make one. Right. So because the if, other ones are are assembled from things that you cut out in bulk and then just mm-hmm. put them together versus hand coloring. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so if you if you plan to mass produce, think of what is the easiest thing for yourself. Why not paint beautiful washes of color on watercolor paper and then cut out a die cut sentiment from the middle of them? And then you can use the letters that you cut out on one card, like on a, let's say, a white background. Mm -hmm. And then you can take the negative space sentiment um, that you've now cut out and use that on a separate card. So it's sort of a two for one. Ah, brilliant. And I'll show you an example of this um, in a class that I taught on how to do this uh, with Copic reinkers on Yupo paper. It just looks so super cool. And awesome. it's like super easy to do. So just think about what makes it easy for yourself. Cool. All right. What else do we need to think about when we're making cards from like just a variety of materials that we might have on hand? Well, the first thing you want to think about are copyright issues and what they call angel policies. Okay. And what's an angel policy? Um, well, it sounds awfully nice, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I have a policy of being skeptical of anybody who tells me they're talking to angels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the angel policy basically is a, um, a policy that, that tells you how you can use their image. So for, let's say somebody who sells digital illustrations, um, they're often called digital stamps. Or mm-hmm. you can download a black and white image, you can print it out and color it in. They might have an angel policy that says, hey, you can use this image 15 times on handmade items that you sell. You can give it okay. away to your friends and family unlimited a million times. I don't care. But if you're going to sell something that you've made with this, then you can only use it a limited um, amount of times. And then they'll also okay. have have other terms about how you can use things like you can't take their image and go throw it on creative market and sell it. Right. 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 Um, OK, that makes sense. So that's basically an angel policy. But if the copyright doesn't belong to you, um, technically, you have to understand what those policies are and how you can or cannot use that specific design in what you're selling. Yeah, it's like a limited license. Um, and it's basically a great reason to start creating greeting cards from your own illustrations and drawings and paintings, because you can even create a whole hand colored thing. Let's say it takes you 45 minutes, but then you can scan it in and use that over and over and over again. And you just kind of did most of the work once. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So I've done some of this myself, but what can you share with us about some of the things you know about reproducing your handmade work, like you were just talking about into cards that you either print yourself or have professionally printed or even use a print on demand service? Well, first off, you can turn any kind of painting or physical drawing into a greeting card. You just need to digitize your handmade work. So you need a well-lit photograph taken straight on. Um, and the latest smartphones are probably decent enough to to do that. Right. I would agree with that as long as you're talking about um, for greeting cards or small prints. Mm-hmm. The your phone camera is probably good enough for that. Yeah. If you're going to do bigger prints, you're probably better off with, you know, a a real professional photograph or a high resolution scan. But for greeting cards, I would totally agree. Yeah. Your phone is probably good enough. Yeah, I'll tell you um personally, I can never take 
the right photo. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm just, again, not my superpower. So, yeah. um, I have an older Epson scanner and I, I uh-huh. swear I've had this thing for like 10 or 15 years and it's still going strong. So I just make sure that I set that scanner to 300 DPI or, or higher, mm-hmm. which will give me basically print quality. So it won't look pixelated when it prints. Right. And um, I prefer that over a photo just because, you know, I can never get the angle or the lighting just right on the photos. Yeah. The the thing you have to keep in mind, though, is if you don't have a huge scanner and you have, let's say, a larger painting you're trying to turn into a greeting card, you know, that you'll be scaling down, mm-hmm. you might have to scan the painting multiple times in different segments. And then you mm-hmm. basically what they call stitch it. You stitch it together using a program like Photoshop. Yeah. And, and Photoshop's smart now. It can basically do the stitching stuff for you almost. Um, but that's, and that's fairly, de- fairly decently, <laughs> fairly decently. I've done it before for a Christmas card that I've made and I stitched it all together. And, um, and you just have to make sure that everything's flat to your scanner bed. So you don't mm-hmm. have weird shadows and things like that. But, right. um, that's what I do. And then once you have that scanned in, then you can adjust your brightness levels. Um, you know, anything you might need to tweak, um, with the background textures or little flaws that you might want to remove, you can do that in Photoshop. And then you just want to save out that high resolution file. Um, and for the iPad lovers out there, <laughs> if you're working digitally to begin with, on, like in a program like Procreate. So much easier. <laughs> so much easier because you can just save out your 300 DPI file in JPEG format and you're totally ready to go. Yeah, I've I've done that both ways. I mean, I've. I don't have a ton of experience with cards like you do, but I mm-hmm. have made two sets of cards mm-hmm. and one were hand drawn scanned in and one were from digital drawings. And I got to tell you, the Procreate digital from the start was yeah. so much easier to turn into so print much ready, easier print ready yeah. files. So, I mean, and so for illustrators, that's a little more accessible. But if you're a painter, mm-hmm. that might not, you know, and you paint with physical paints, um, that oh, yeah. may not be and an option. I mean, don't let us scare you away from that. It's not like it's that hard. No, you just have no. to, if you're used to taking photos of your work or scanning your work for making prints or just even great images for your website, you know, you're probably used to that already. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, um, you can get your greeting cards printed either using an online printer, a local printer, or your own home printer. If you have like an archival or a decent printer, it doesn't even have to be archival when it's a to be reading honest, when it's a greeting card. Last 100 years. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a print where it's going to be hung up <laughs> right. for years. So, right. um, and if you're printing at home and you want sort of a higher end look for mm-hmm. fine art greeting cards, I really recommend Red River Papers. So we talked about the, the paper I like for handmade cards, but Red River Papers, they make these gorgeous art papers for printers and um, they even give you the downloadable printer profiles on their website so that you can have the, the perfect settings for each type of paper. Yeah, that's really helpful. So I always watch out for them because it's they have 20% off sales and you can buy these sample kits and they have all their art papers like in a sample kit and you can just test it out and say, oh, is this going to work for my style of art? Is this paper what I want to give me the look that I want? So that's a good way to go, but they are a little bit higher end. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I will say is anytime you print at home, you're going to have printer maintenance. You're going to have color matching issues <laughs> potentially. Right, so. Right. If you want to avoid all of that, you can try just a local or an online printer um, just so you don't have to deal with that on your own. For sure. And what can you tell us about using other 
professional printers? Well, many of them will give you multiple options on the type of paper to have your mm-hmm. greeting cards printed on, and they'll probably be at different price points. So you can get either a glossy or a matte finish or somewhere in between. And if you're working with a local printer, you can do some kind of fun things where you can do some some die cuts or layering different materials, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And as with anything, you're going to get better pricing from a printer by ordering higher volumes. Right. For sure. But if you want to test out the market first and see which card designs will sell best, I love using Moo, which is a company. They do awesome business cards, postcards, all kinds of things. It's an online printer. But what I love about them is you can get 25 cards with different designs on each card in a single order. Yeah. A lot of places will have a minimum that says you have to order 20 of the same card. Well, you don't with them. You could just literally order. 25 different cards or 50 (laughs) in one order. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's what I do. That's what I do with my business cards for sure. Um, I've also had some really good luck with, uh, so Moo, Moo is great, but they don't do square cards. Mm, Okay. Um, So when I wanted to do a series of um, square cards for my birth month flower sets, um, I found some great ones through awesome merch. Okay. And um, they're just, Another great company that does that does that makes awesome merch that make they make <laughs> awesome merch, as the name might indicate. <laughs> and I'll we'll include a link to that one, too. Yeah. And there's some others that are pretty common names you've probably heard of before, like Overnight Prints, Vistaprint, Shutterfly. You know, these are all companies that offer very similar services. Um, They Mm -hmm. just the products might be slightly different or the types of papers they use. So it's always good to test it out before you place a huge order and just see if something is to your liking. And another helpful hint is a lot of these companies will let you add um, something to the back of the card. So so don't forget about that. Don't think of just the the front and the middle of the card, but think of the back of the card because you can put your logo on there. Um, Some of them even have a place where you can put a photo, like a small image of the card front. So to me, it's like having a little bit of extra advertising space, right? I've even seen some really cool designs where like part of the design from the front has extended onto the back. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 So something to consider. All right. So let's talk... Let's talk pricing. Are there set prices that greeting cards usually sell for? Um, What is the difference between if they're handmade cards versus printed, single cards or packs of cards? Are there standards Mm -hmm. for these things? How do you even know where to start? Yeah. Um, Well, handmade cards are like mini pieces of art. So Mm -hmm. if you invest a lot of time into them, they should be priced accordingly. But it's helpful to cut down your costs and time where you can um, when you're coming up with the card design. So those ideas we talked about earlier about, you know, creating an assembly line, making things a little bit easier for yourself. Definitely. That'll allow you to offer a card at a competitive price, um, but that doesn't, I guess that gives you compensation for the time that you invested. Right. So I always sell a single card at a higher price point than a group of cards. And the strategy I've used in the past is... I might sell a single card for, let's say, $7 or a set of three for 15 if I have single cards out there that people can pick through and look and choose from. Um, And so nine times out of 10, in my personal experience, the customer is going to choose three instead of one because they want to get that better deal. Um, Right. So I've sold hundreds of dollars worth of cards in a Christmas market doing that because they always walk away with multiples. 
But just make sure that when you're coming up with the price for the multiples that you're not discounting it so much that it's not worth the time you've put into it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, And I've seen very high end cards, like ones that are really physical paintings that people have Mm -hmm. done. And those those might be way more, you know, $15, $20 or something for the card because it's also a mini piece of art. I've even seen people um, have a card that flips up that the front is painted and then they they um, adhere it to a little mat board so that somebody could take it and turn it into a framed painting. Nice. But you can definitely sell your cards in prepackaged sets. And I love using clearbags.com. For those that don't like using plastic in their work, they have environmentally friendly options, too, that are biodegradable. Mm -hmm. And you can buy sturdy see-through boxes that could hold, let's say, a set of eight cards. They have clear hanging bags that'll hold maybe a set of five. um, Mm -hmm. And they have single card uh, sleeves with adhesive you know, closures on them. I really like the quality of those. So that's what I've used over the last 15 years. I'm sure there's other sellers as well, but. I've used them too. And, um, and they're, they're great quality. Yeah. And consider adding a branded sticker to the back of your card sleeve or your box, or just, uh, just a sticker that says, thank you for supporting my small business. Um, and I can tell you, I've bought those on Amazon before in packs of 500 for like, or $15 or something. So it doesn't have to break the bank. It's just a nice personal touch. Um, And we can link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. Now, if you don't want to mess with branding, packaging, shipping, all the things, Mm -hmm. which let's be honest, time is money, right? So those things are all things to consider with your pricing as well. You can sell your greeting card designs through print on demand sites. Um, either the public marketplaces like Redbubble or Society6 or through a print-on-demand company that operates sort of through your own website like Printify or Printful. Absolutely. All right. Um, That's a lot of great information about greeting cards. (laughs) Um, What else can you think of that, that I haven't asked you about that might be helpful? Well, some other ideas thinking outside of the box is if your audience includes a lot of makers... Think of creating holiday kits of dimensional elements so that someone can make their own cards. Oh, cool. It's a really fun idea to sell in the holidays, but just keep in mind the issues we talked about with copyright here. So you would want to use your own illustrations and not provide a black and white image, for example, for someone to color in that belongs to another company or artist. That's a big no-no if you don't have express permission to use it that way. But you're an artist, so draw your own. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And beyond selling greeting cards directly to the customer or using print on demand, you can also look at getting your original artwork licensed to greeting card manufacturing companies or companies like Minted um, who have greeting cards available in Target. They have a whole display in Target. Right. And we've mentioned this in our episodes about um, about submitting your work, which we'll link to in the show notes as well. Yeah, there are dozens of fabulous companies in the marketplace. And if you search their websites, you'll frequently find their artist submission guidelines. And those will show you how to submit your work to their art directors. You never know. Your card could be featured at Trader Joe's, your local Hallmark store, Target, or another awesome place that you shop. Well, Laura, I know that in past episodes, you have talked very specifically about submitting greeting card designs you've been working on collection to submit. So Mm -hmm. what's your plan? What's your next step? 
Well, yes, that is the next step that I'm taking in my own greeting card design business. So I am looking to have my art licensed. I have actually submitted to a greeting card design company and been added to their list of um, their list for their design briefs. So I'm starting to get those and work on designs for it. Excellent. And there are several other companies I'm going to approach. So I'm excited about that opportunity. And that's what I'm sort of focused on next. So we will see what happens. Awesome. That's a great next step. Well, Laura, thank you for letting me be the one to interview you this week. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see what you're doing there. (laughs) That's what I did to you last week. It is. (laughs) Now it's your turn. Have you ever sold your own greeting card designs? What has been your experience? Or do you have a question about designing greeting cards and selling them? Drop them in the Stardust Society Facebook group or through Instagram at Stardust Society or my personal Instagram at Laura Lee Griffin. And for today's Stardust Society show notes and links to all the great greeting card resources that we discussed today, go to StardustSociety.com slash greeting cards. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review. Reviews always help us reach more Stardusts like you and keep us inspired to continue creating new episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.